Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Stepping through the door, the first sense to activate is my nose. Smoke. I look around. I'm inside a home. Windows and doors and solid walls. So basically the home is doing its job of keeping all the outside stuff outside. And ditto with the inside stuff in. We're not talking hermetic, airtight seals here, but the only stuff that might have got in was when I opened the door and came through. So that would be stuff from my previous world. So why does it smell like I'm standing inside a lit cigarette? Okay, a little hyperbole there, but only in that it's pretty much physically impossible to do what I just said. Nevertheless, the smell of smoke in this house is beyond pervasive. It's in everything. The furniture, the fixtures, the walls. It's just part of this house. I look out the window and I can see why. It looks foggy out there, kind of dark. Everything's shrouded, except I can tell by the distorted filtered light that it's not fog, but smoke. A lot of smoke. Giving it that post-apocalyptic zombie movie feel. I know it's smoke out there because I've seen conditions like this before. I've personally experienced them. If you're from California, as I've said before, you're likely familiar with earthquakes. There's another thing you're probably familiar with on some level. Wildfires. You might think that smoke is smoke and comes in only one variety. You'd be wrong. Each type of smoke has its own makeup, its own melange, its own chemical cocktail, if you will. They all smell different. You've got your distinctive barbecue flavor, the wood-burning fireplace scent, the campfire in the woods particular bouquet. They're all specific smells, and for the most part, people enjoy some or all of them. You can't beat the sharp woody scent of a wood-burning fire on a frosty morning or an icy night. It unavoidably conjures images of warm, cozy homes with hot chocolate and s'mores. Wildfires are a little different. They're uncontrolled. They're out of control. Sure, there are such things as controlled fires that the Forestry Service conducts to prevent future raging wildfires, but they're usually on a small scale. The thing about a wildfire is that once it gets going, especially when it's in the middle of nowhere, it gets going fast. Add a good strong wind and it becomes an uncontrollable beast, consuming acres and acres of forest in a short amount of time. And with that raging fire comes an immense amount of smoke. These types of wildfires definitely have an effect on people. And again, for the most part, they're in very rural or even undeveloped areas. So we're not talking about a lot of people. And sometimes these wildfires can be so wild that they race into a nearby town or urban area. And then you've got a big problem on your hands. I've personally seen the devastating effects from these fires. In October of 2017, the Tubbs fire ripped through Napa and Sonoma counties in Northern California, burning 36,810 acres. 22 people were killed. 5,643 structures were destroyed, including 2,800 homes in Santa Rosa. The damage was estimated at 1.2 billion. It was the second most destructive fire in California's history. Second, because the most destructive fire in California's history happened the following year. In November of 2018, the Camp Fire ripped through Butte County just a few hours further north, burning 153,336 acres. 86 people were killed. It destroyed 18,804 structures. 
The retirement town of Paradise no longer exists because of it. The damage was estimated at 7.5 to 10 billion. So why am I giving you this brief history lesson and spouting all these facts at you? Well, I'm Jake Fisher, so you should be used to this sort of treatment by now. Okay, only kidding. I know that's no excuse. It's the smoke. You know what barbecue smoke smells like. It's pretty recognizable. Same thing with campfires. That particular woody burning smell. Can't beat it. But a wildfire? That's just as recognizable, but instead of being familiar and comforting, it's fucking terrifying. Especially when you've spent weeks going to work wearing a smoke mask as you leave your home, riding BART in an elevator up to your floor. Then you take it off. For a moment, the suffocating smoke smell is even stronger. Then it finally dissipates. The AC has done its job and you can work. Then at the end of the day, you get back in the elevator and head to the ground floor and pretty soon you start noticing the smoke, breathing it in. You forgot about it. The mask is out and back on and then you're out walking in the thick smoke fog again back to your home. And now you're thinking what an insensitive asshole you are for bitching about having to deal with all the smoke when there are literally thousands of people who no longer have a place to live and tens of others who were burned to death trapped in their very childhood homes. The scent is a capsule of all of these memories and thoughts and emotions, much like Ebenezer Scrooge experienced when he returned via the ghost of Christmas past to his old boarding school, except these feelings and recollections are nothing but pain and badness. And now to be in a world where this is just everyday life, possibly? I don't know, and maybe I don't want to know. fuck are you? Um... Who the fuck are you? Answer me. I... My name is, uh, Jake Fisher. And what are you doing here? Uh, it's, it's kind of a long story. How did you get inside? It was locked. I locked it. That's, uh, part of the long story. You better start telling me that story, or I'm gonna start wailing on your ass. Okay, okay, take it easy. I don't mean any harm. Um, God, I'm so sick of saying this. Uh, I'm I'm from another world. I, bullshit! It's true. Fucking bullshit. Smell me. What? What the hell did you just say? Smell me. And why would I do that? Because I don't smell like you. No, it's not what you think. I don't smell like I'm from here, from this world. I don't smell of smoke. Really? But how can I trust you? How do I know you won't just smack me upside the head the second I get close to you? Because I won't. Because I know that's not good enough. Here, I'll sit on the couch, put my hands under my legs. That way, if I try anything, you've got time to jump out of the way. Or punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Or that. Okay. Do that. What's your name? As I said, I'm Jake. Rana. That's a really pretty name. Thank you. Now stay the fuck still. Yes, ma'am. Don't fucking call me that. No, ma- Sorry, Rana. I won't. <laughs> Holy shit. Holy fucking shit, you're right. I don't smell smoke. Told you. I smell other things. Food and oil and sweat. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. I've been traveling for a long while. Haven't really had the chance to shower. Huh. 
No shit. I'd offer you one, but water is kind of a precious resource around here. So there's really smoke all the time? Yes. Where the fuck have you... Uh, Oh, right. It started out like all fires do, except they didn't get stopped and kept getting bigger. Whole towns went up in cities. A lot of people died. Burned to a crisp. You can't go outside now without a mask. Unless you've given up and want to go out the hard way. Fuck, that's brutal. I, I can't imagine a world like that. Your world isn't like that? No, none of the worlds I've visited have ever been like this one. Starless. Huh? Starless. It's what I call this world now because I don't see the stars anymore. Jesus, I'm so sorry. How do you do it? Get from world to world. It's it's nothing to do with me. At least, I don't think it is. There's this place called Ostium where it all started. And these doors lead to different places and times. Different worlds. And now I'm trying to find my way back to Ostium. Trying to find that right door. So... It could be this one? Yes, it could be. I never know until I go through. Well, we better get you out of this world and into the next one. How much time do you have? A little. How do you know? Mm, it's a sense I have. I'm sort of connected with this whole ostium thing, though I don't really know how. Damn, that's messed up. Okay, you need to get on your way. Thank you, Rana. For, for believing me. For helping me. You're welcome. This all could have gone a very different way. Why do you trust me? Because... Because I have to. I have to believe. I have to believe there are better worlds than this one. And you're my hope. My belief. That's beautiful. Aw, shucks. Now get a move on. Actually, there's a little favor I need. I've been bringing back little trinkets from each of the worlds I visit. Something that has meaning to this place. To Starless. That helps. A little. Here, I've got this. What is it? A charred piece of wood? It's a memento from the house I grew up in. Burned to the ground like everything fucking else in this world. But I wanted to keep a piece. Thought it would be sentimental, but honestly, I haven't thought about it or looked at it in ages. Thank you again, Rana. That's perfect. And for what it's worth, don't give up. You're alive. There might be somewhere else out there that's still standing, where there's no smoke. You read my mind, man. I think about that every time I go to bed at night. And every morning I'm thankful I've got another day to try and find it. I'd offer to take you with me, but I don't think the laws of the universe would allow it. Plus, you probably wouldn't come. Damn right I wouldn't. I belong here, in Starless. Well, see you in another life. Maybe. Rana, it was a pleasure meeting you. You too, Jake. Thanks. There's got to be a better world than this one.
I awoke with sun spilling on my face. Above me was the collapsed roof of a small cabin. Moss and small plants had already begun reclaiming this area. Sprouts of grass poked up from between floorboards. Vines wrapped themselves around the rusted metal frames of bunk beds long forgotten. I blinked the dreariness out of my eyes. The warm sun a welcoming sign. A kinder awakening than I'd had in the past. But I knew first impressions were often deceiving. Despite the collapsed roof, the rest of the cabin seemed to be fully intact. That's when my mind started catching up on everything. Why was the roof collapsed? How long had this cabin been left to rot? What was on the other side of the cabin's door? A summer camp. An old one, lost to time. In the center of a dirt lot stood a tall totem pole with various caricatures of animals. Next to it, a dusty, tattered American flag hung limply. Across the lot were three other cabins, in much better shape than this one. And to my right, a large building with rusted gold lettering that read Mess Hall. Judging by the trees and distant outlines of mountains in the familiar flag... I figure I must be somewhere in the Rockies. Maybe as far up as Washington, or as low as New Mexico. And there's the fair weather and light breeze. I assume I'm somewhere near Colorado or Utah. Any further north and the warm sun would be outdone by the cold wind. Behind the cabin I awoke in is a crystal clear lake, extending at least a few hundred feet before meeting more trees. In the distance, I can't quite make it out, but it looks like something yellow. A small triangle. A few of them, in fact. Disregarding them, I turn and spot a cabin I hadn't seen before, right next to the dining hall. It's large, looking much more lavish than the six small cabins circled around the totem pole. As I head towards it, I see something that gives me pause. The front door is splintered at the handle, as if forced open. The window is shattered, and large, muddy footprints walk around the exterior of the cabin. I feel a lump forming in my stomach. Fucking great. As I enter the cabin, my suspicions are confirmed. Everything points to signs of a struggle. Overturned cabinets, remnants of broken glass and a few bloody marks across the walls. As my eyes scan the room, they come to rest on a desk sitting between two broken windows. On it is a collection of yellowed pages, likely worn by the elements, and a bulletin board with similarly yellowed newspaper snippets. Maybe, maybe this will help. The bulletin board has seen much better days. Dirt has started to obscure the print and wear away at the photos. But one decaying slip of paper hanging in the center of everything else tells me all I need to know. Camp Clarity Camper Gone Missing. I read on Tuesday, July 25th, 1972. Joseph, age nine, went missing the night before Camp Clarity's program was set to end. The rest of the children have been brought back into town and the U.S. forest rangers have already begun searching the nearby woods. I start looking at the other clippings, trying to discover everything I can as quickly as I can. 
Then I hear the crunch of glass behind me. Before I turn around, a bag is pulled down over my face and I'm pushed to the ground. I can feel a knee pressing into the center of my back. Glass and twigs dig into my chest, feeling like small, sharp teeth. What's your name? Monica. Why are you here? I'm just a tourist. Yeah? You miss the fences and warning signs all around the camp? The yellow triangles. A fucking course. I should have known. But even if I was trespassing, would that be reason enough to put a fucking bag over my head and... Handcuffs. Great. Come on. To your feet. The man with a gruff voice pulls me up by my restraints, and keeping one hand firm on the cuffs, puts the other on my shoulder, guiding me out of the cabin. I'm sorry if I was trespassing. I came in the night and I didn't even see the signs. Uh Uh-huh. I woke up in one of the cabins. You slept here? Yeah, I just wanted to get under some shelter. Huh. He's not buying it. My ham-fisted attempt at a lie is just backfiring. Where's your stuff? My stuff? Yeah. If you're a camper, where's your gear? Backpack, food, sleeping bag? We're miles away from a highway, even further from a city. Uh, I... See, I think you somehow sneaked past all our security measures. And I want to know how. Lies obviously won't work on this man, so I resort to the truth. Would you believe I teleported here? Actually, I would. And that's why I'm taking you to my boss. You see, there exist two possibilities. One, someone sent you here using technology similar to what my employer has been working on. Or two, you're something from the technology we're working on. In either case... They're going to want to talk to you. Who's going to want to talk to me? If you're lucky, Hicks. If you're not, the bugs. I'm left in a stunned silence, trying to understand what kind of place this door has taken me to. I try to ask more questions, but it seems my captor is in no mood to talk as he silently marches me up a growingly steep hill. It isn't until now I realize how fucking hard it is to hike without having your arms at your sides. Multiple times along our route, I lose my balance, and either fall or am held up by my captor. He seems to show no remorse either way, despite the growing number of bruises and scrapes on me. He remains stoically silent. Then we reach the mine. Oh, shit. I can feel the heavy, damp air on my skin and the darkness swallows us up whole as we proceed without hesitation into the mountain. Feels like we've been walking for well over an hour. My legs are throbbing, the blood from my scraped knees is sticking my pants to me, and it hurts. I've been on many adventures in risky situations, but this time, it just feels worse. Escape seems hopeless. Then I feel a tug on my cuffs. Stop here. Are we there? Shush. I do as instructed. Around me, I can only hear dripping water somewhere far into the cave, and a man's steady, disconcerting breathing behind me. Something's not right. A chill runs down my spine. He sounds scared. Something's not right. He takes his hand off me, and I hear the click of his radio. Base, this is Vulture 2-6. I'm in possession of an intruder and approaching the mine entrance. 
I heard movement somewhere near the collapse. I'm requesting an additional unit. Over. Confirmed. We reach Vulture. Hawk and Mole are nearby. Please wait. Alright, Vulture. Units are on route. ETA 5. Over. Affirmative base. I'm going to... Before my captain can finish, I hear rocks shift, and then light footsteps. Fuck. Base hostiles approaching. Affirmative, Vulture. Additional units on route. What the hell does that mean? I hear the man draw his gun from its holster, and then feel it press against the nape of my neck. Are these your compatriots? No, I swear, I came alone. I don't believe. Ah! Hello? Get back! All of you! Ah! At the sound of gunfire, I throw myself to the floor, which is a big mistake as I end up slamming my injured knees to the ground and banging my head on the rock wall. I can't. The pain comes to me as more of a surprise than any actual serious injury. And after a moment, I'm able to get my bearings. I can't make out much with the bag over my head, except for movement. What's going on? I think... I think they're gone. Fucking monsters. What do they look like? Just... shadows. No, you don't! I don't need to see to know what's happening. The sound of meat being sliced and blood flowing makes it clear. Okay, my captor's dead and I'm likely next. I can sense three, no, five, maybe eight sets of slow footsteps coming at me from every angle. Having nowhere to run, I push myself against the stone wall, hoping for the best. Then I feel a sickly chill come over my body as a freezing hand touches my shoulder. It's small, no bigger than that of a child. It feels as if the hand isn't actually pressed against me, but rather sunk into me, like ice cutting into my skin, and for a moment, I think maybe that is exactly what is happening. It takes me a second to realize the shadow is trying to move me away from the wall. I do just this, and a moment later, I feel the tension in my wrists release as the handcuff chain is snapped. I immediately reach up to pull the bag off my head, And as I do, I hear the faintest sound of wind blowing past me. By the time the bag is off my sweaty, matted hair, my rescuers are gone. I look over to my captor, trying to avert my eyes from the wounds, but searching for... Yes! On his belt, two small silver keys hanging from a loop. I unlock each cuff, allowing blood to flow back into my hands. In the distance, I hear footsteps coming from where we first entered the cave. I need to get the fuck out of here. But to where? Looking into the darkness, I find only a wall of rocks. Likely where the collapse had been. I reach out to grab one of the smaller rocks, and my hand passes right through it. Keeping a strong grip on the handcuff keys, I take a step forward and feel the rest of my body pass through the seemingly solid wall. This must be the door. I walk forward, my eyes unable to adjust as the light slowly seeps out of the world and plunges me into darkness.
PlayStation Blue. Have you ever ended up in a place, a building, where you can immediately tell what sort of place you're in, what the climate is like outside, whether it's hot and arid or cold and icy? The building and its insides appear to absorb the conditions of the place where it's located. I'm in one of those right now. As soon as I stepped through the door, I got the sense for it. The stark concrete walls and floor, the stark limited furniture, the harsh whiteness of the light, and the physical temperature of the place. Everything feels cold and uninviting, which leads me to infer I'm in a very cold place. I'm just going to take a stab in the dark here and guess we're in Antarctica. Yeah, feels about right. So, let's go find out. It's way too bright in here, starting to feel like I'm in some sort of prison, but like in some weird hidden place that no one knows exists, and keeping you in constantly blinding light is one of the forms of torture. Or I'm in an asylum. Hopefully not Arkham Asylum. I walk down a staircase into a dim hallway with lots of closed doors. I feel I'm in my element here. You know, with all the doors and the walking. Like, I've done this a lot of times before. So, I'm calm, cool, and collected. Emphasis on cool. Actually, I'm more cold and collected. Where do these doors lead? To storerooms and closets and bedrooms? Or will one lead me to the edge of the universe, where another takes me to a pressurized village at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean? And of course, none of them will be Ostium. None of them will take me back to Gibraltar. None of them will return me to Steve, Jean, or Monica. But if there's something I've learned through all this, it's that I can't give up. And that's when I start to hear a humming. It's coming from further down the hall. I keep walking and it gets louder. I don't recognize the song at all. It's kind of haunting, but in a good way. Nice and minor. It's calming in a way. Makes me feel less worried about the state I'm in, I guess. And then I'm at a set of double doors where it's coming from. I reach for the handle to open the door, then stop. No, that's not right. Instead, I knock three times, then step back and wait. Seconds pass. I start to wonder if I need to knock again. And then there's a clanking sound and the door opens. There's a man standing there on crutches with a bandage covering his forehead. And he looks fucking terrified. I can't blame him. Hi, um, I'm sorry if I startled you. My name's Jake Fisher. I have this ability. I can travel through doors and through time and space. I never know where I'm going to end up, and looks like this time I ended up here, in this cold place. Where are we? The Antarctic or something? We're in Antarctica. You've been here a long time, by yourself, haven't you? Yes. So if I said I'm sort of a time traveler from a place called Ostium, and I traveled through time by going through different doors... And then I started being able to make all my own doors, except the last time I did it, I, I lost concentration. Just for a second, I was exhausted, and now I'm lost in time and trying to find my way back to Ostium. Well, technically, it's the Ostium network. But you'd be cool with that? Uh, that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah, I 
guess it's complex. Have you ever seen Back to the Future? No. Oh, well, there are these great movies about time travel. In Back to the Future, too. Do you want tea? I'm making tea. That would be great, actually. I love tea. What kinds do you have? Black. So what's the Ostium Network? Well, it's the corporation that came up with this whole time-traveling scheme. It's on the island of Gibraltar. A corporation? Yeah, apparently at some point in the future, it looks like it gets blown up. But really, this guy who runs the Ostium Network uh, somehow made it disappear from the real world and reappear on another plane of existence. That's a little hard to believe. Tell me about it. Are you hungry? I've got some dinner started. That sounds great. I can't actually remember the last time I ate anything. But you just mentioning food made me realize I'm starving. Good. It's not fancy, but hot food beats cold cereal. Sounds great. So you've been time traveling, using doors, and you can't get back to your home? How are you holding up with all of that? You know, I haven't really taken a second to stop and actually take stock of how I'm doing. Everything's been so hectic. I guess stressed. Definitely stressed. And lost, too. I mean, I may never be able to get back to Austin. This might be the rest of my life now, traveling through worlds looking for a way home. That sounds horrible. I'm doing what I did before. Collecting, um, I don't know exactly what you'd call them. Trinkets? Talismans? Little things, objects, that I bring back with me. In Ostium, there's a map table showing where all the doors are. And that's what we did before. Brought those trinkets back and put them on the map table. And then some crazy shit would usually happen. We? Yeah, her name's Monica. She was also traveling through the doors looking for her son, and she eventually found him. And we were all together for the first time. It was going great, and then we had to deal with Something that was causing these rifts. And we took care of that, too. Monica and I kicked its ass, basically. And that's when I screwed up and lost them. Lost Monica. Sounds like she means a lot to you. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still very much in love with her. Even though she did some questionable things that she thought were helping me and were helping her continue looking for her son. They weren't the best choices she ever made, but... She thought they were the right ones. Does she love you? I think so. Yeah, she does. At the end, there before we had to deal with the big bad, we were okay. Things were right again. And then I lost her. Well, maybe she's looking for you, like she was looking for her son. Huh. I never thought of that. I don't know. It's possible. Maybe she's doing what you're doing. Going through doors, trying to find a way? That would be amazing, and honestly, totally like Monica. This food is great, by the way. (laughs) It's not bad in the cold when you're hungry and it's your only option. Didn't you say you could create your own doors? Yeah, I did. But that last time, when it got screwed up and I ended up somewhere I didn't decide, I don't really know what happened. But I can't do it anymore. I remember how I did it, but... When I try, nothing happens. It's like in The Subtle Knife. What? What did you say? The Subtle Knife. It's a book by Philip Pullman. I know what The Subtle Knife is. It's my favorite book. Why are you talking about it? It's the knife. It can cut through reality, take you to another dimension. And then the knife breaks, and it doesn't work anymore. I couldn't help thinking it's kind of similar to my situation. (sighs) 
I'm sorry. It's just... Your favorite book. It's one of my favorites, too. I love the whole trilogy. I can remember reading it for the first time, and each book just blew my mind. As soon as I was done, I just had to tell someone how great they are. Yeah. Someone very important shared those books with me. Who was it? Sarah. She sounds like a special person. Sarah. (laughs) She was one of a kind. Was? The tea should be ready. I didn't mean to upset you. It's fine. Here, drink up. Thank you. I understand if you don't want to talk about Sarah. Uh, It's just... She's far away. And there's not a lot I can do about that here. At the bottom of the world, as far away as possible from anyone else on the planet. Yes, exactly. You can't stay here forever. (laughs) Recent events would disagree with you. Your tea is getting cold. Was it worth it? Was what worth it? If you never see Sarah again, never get to reconnect. If you never have anyone else in your life like her, are you okay with that after having the time that you did together? I don't know. Eventually the pain is... Do you want to see the first book she bought me? The Subtle Knife? I have it in my dorm. That sounds wonderful. I'll be back in a minute. Finish your tea. I sat there and thought about Monica. Matthew's tea wasn't as good as hers, even if it was nice to have a hot drink in a place like this. Were we ever going to be together again? Was she ever going to make me tea again? As I finished off the rest of the tea, my reminiscing was interrupted by something at the bottom of my cup. It looked like a small tab of paper, nothing like your typical tea bag. I heard glass breaking out in the hallway. It was probably nothing, but I figured I should go check it out. The lights started to dim a little. When I walked out of the kitchen, something was different. The hall was longer than I remember it being, and at the end of it stood Matthew, a crutch in one hand, a fire axe in the other. At first I thought you were with the flower company. Somebody sent back to fuck with my head. Time travel? Lost with no way home? But then you started talking about the book. Getting me to think about Sarah? Talking about doors? Even your name, Jake. My grandparents had a dog. His name was Jake. You're not with the company. You're not real. You crawled out of the door. Matthew, put the axe down. I am real. I'm not here to hurt you. I've heard that before. I won't fall for it again. The hall continued to stretch. The axe in Matthew's hand started to extend in an impossible way. The lights shot off rays that glowed and dimmed with the beating of my heart. Something was wrong in my head. You drugged me. I wondered why she left those here. Now I understand. I'll leave. Just let me leave and I won't bother you again. Can't risk it. He came at me. Even though he looked far away, I knew my perception wasn't accurate. I turned and ran. At least I tried to. My balance would swing me forward, then back. I would normally be able to outrun him without trouble, what with his broken leg and all, but the hallucinations were getting worse. The doors around me were shaking like hundreds of people were trapped behind them trying to break out. The lights poured liquid radiance over the ground. I tried holding onto the wall. It melted in, breathed against my grip. The whole station was alive, trying to eat me. I needed to get out of here, but I still needed an artifact. 
I turned the corner and opened the first door I saw. It was a storage closet, and there on top of a cabinet was the exact thing I needed, a clay white rabbit. I grabbed it and fled back to the hall, only to trip on something. Matthew's crutch. I rolled over and saw him looming above me, only it wasn't quite him. His mouth had taken over his entire face. It opened into an endless voice. His broken leg had white bird wings sprouting from it. The hall curved around him as he brought down the axe. I barely rolled out of the way. The next thing I knew, I was running down the hall. Or was it a tunnel? I could almost feel the grass sprouting from the ground, the ticking of a pocket watch. I clutched the white rabbit in my hand and thought of Alice in Wonderland. I saw a large rabbit hole to my left, and I took it. Matthew's voice came from every surface except for one, a door at the end of the rabbit hole. You won't trick me again. You won't lure me. I'll be waiting for you. You hear me? I'll be waiting. The door was reflective, like a mirror. I used my ability to create an escape. Through the looking glass, I went leaving Antarctica and its prisoner forever. It was just a matter of time. With me traveling through all these doors, it was bound to happen eventually. Still, it's really hard to take in and believe, but I finally ended up in a fucking post-apocalyptic hellscape. (sighs) Okay, that might be a bit too harsh. Everything still seems to be here, and in one piece, for the most part. But I can hear occasional explosions in the far distance, and the smoke plumes tell me there are some pyromaniacs out there having fun. And I know they're all fucking dudes doing it. I've seen a few people, all with that deer-in-the-headlights look and don't-fucking-touch-me-or-come-closer vibe, mixed with a healthy dose of, please, I don't want to die. And just when I thought I'd made a terrible mistake, well, well, I already knew this was simply the next in a series of mistakes and had serious thoughts about getting the heck out of this hellhole. See what I did there? I ran into Joe Prendergast and her gang of truly awesome people and one truly awesome envy. Location update? Finally, we finally made it to the next town. It took forever. 
It's been at least a week of serious traveling. Lots and lots and lots of farking hills. Scout acted like it was farking nothing, stomping up the incline with so much confidence that she almost ran into a mountain lion. Yep, she backed away from it with the same amount of confidence. Uh, well, I guess kind of related, speaking of almost pooping ourselves. Bathrooms have been particularly rough this part of the trip. I mean, we've been doing this for a while now. I've got my routine down, even my pooping routine. Though I, I very much need to make sure I'm far, far away from the rest of the group. It's just that the ground is a lot more rocky and harder to dig a hole in. Now that Scout cares about any of that, she barely goes behind a tree and then makes us all move away unless we want to hear things we don't want to hear. Elliot's got a whole contraption that helps them dig and hide the poop. And gee, hun, I... Uh, gee, I've, I've never seen her... I don't even know if she even pees or, or when. She probably does it late at night when we're all asleep or just intimidates her bladder until it evaporates. So, yeah, I'm I'm happy to be in a town again somewhere where we can fake civility and go into the pre-made holes of the bathrooms once more, even if every toilet is backed up for eternity. But it has a door, and so no possibility of running into a mountain lion when trying to do your business. But before we could even make it inside of a building, we ran into a very odd woman named Monica. I was hesitant at first. They looked like they'd been through a lot. They looked tough. They looked badass. I assumed Joe was the leader because she was the first person I talked to, But nothing against Joe. She was great and all. But it didn't take me long to realize why she was hanging out with the others. Elliot was knitting a scarf and seemed really chill. The sort of person you really want around when the world is ending and you're trying not to lose it. They also knew a lot of stuff. Seemed to have an answer for everything. Very useful. I get along with Scout right away. She has a great laugh. Tough as nails. The kind of person you want with you in a dark alley. Because whatever shit is going on there, she's got your back and front and makes it so you don't have to worry. Someone else might think her kind of crass, a little over the top. She's my kind of gal. She also has an answer for everything, whether you want one or not. Then there's Ji Wen. She doesn't say much. Next to nothing, actually. A handful of kind of murmured words. But the way she looks at me, studies her surroundings... I've seen her type before, back in the Ostium Network. Smart, really smart, brilliant, and calculating. If Scout is the person who deals with any shit coming your way, Jiwin is the one who can get you out of any bind or problem you're stuck in. She's a Houdini and a sharpshooter, and the one who can make a weapon out of anything. All rolled into one. A hot MacGyver, if you will. Not that he wasn't easy on the eyes, too. And then there's Joe Prendergast, the chronicler. There's got to be one. When it's the end of the world and only a few remaining souls traveling the roads, eking out a living with the will to carry on and keep going, 
to live to tell the tale? There's got to be someone to remember the story, record the events and happenings for posterity, to make it so everything's not completely forgotten, to provide the details for anyone else who comes along, who wants to know what happened. Also, you can be ready if you get stuck in the same situation again. Don't worry. The significance of all this is not lost on me. Jake is a chronicler, just like Joe. He's been doing the same thing from the very beginning, recording and preserving the tales of Ostium and what he did there, what we did there, so we know and can remember and can refer, so others can know too. Steve did the same thing, even when he was Dave, especially when he was Dave. He thought he knew his past, what had happened to him, but obviously wasn't completely sure. Not to mention the deal with his parents disappearing on him. So when he set out on a new journey, a personal journey and a physical one, he needed to record it so he would know and remember and be able to pass it on to other people. And then there's me, who wanted more than Jake doing his recordings, who wanted to start her own daily journal. Well, maybe not daily, but it was definitely a Dear Diary situation. And it started with me even before Jake, back in the Ostium Network. The entries I would record every night after a long fucking day of work and learning. And when I was all alone in Ostium, I know for a fact doing those recordings are what got me through all that. And what ultimately led to me figuring a way out of Ostium and back to the rock. Would I be stuck there if I didn't have those recordings? Definitely. But sometimes... Sometimes I get the sense we're all doing this for another reason, these recordings. And here I include all the interesting people I've met in my joyriding through the doors of Ostium so far. Thomas and Kalila, and now Joe, and probably whoever else I'm going to run into during these travels. We're all telling and recording our stories, not just for ourselves or even the people we're with. It's almost like... Like we're doing it for some imaginary audience out there that's somehow listening in. I think Jake actually joked about that once or twice. His many listeners. Even when he was stuck on an untethered ostium, he still acted like those listeners were still out there, waiting for the next entry, the next installment, the next episode. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Location update? We need a break. So we're resting in this cute little house for a bit. Scout tried to body slam the door open. I think she was trying to impress Monica, but Jihan ended up just kicking it open with ease. Not to be outdone, Scout walked in and threw her axe into one of the pillars so hard that she actually got it stuck in the pillar. And so as she was trying to yank it out, Jihan was like, no axe throwing in the house. Monica is an interesting person. Not exactly a weirdo, at least in the sense that I use the word, but she seems 
like she hasn't been doing this very long, surviving all of this. For instance, once we went through the usual intros of, I'm not going to hurt you, you're not going to hurt me, okay, we offered her a bit of one of our MREs and she barking pounced on it. No one pounces on an MRE. No matter how starving you are, you look at that thing and you think, oh, that's a future constipation. She said she couldn't remember the last time she ate anything and would really barking appreciate some grub. Well, she actually said the, the F word a lot. Maybe even more than Scout. I, I bet that's why she likes her. Scout found one can of beans in the decrepit kitchen, and then we all got really excited about a change of food. Even Monica, she's learning fast. Elliot gutted the stove to make a pretty decent fire to cook the beans on, and as we ate, Monica told her story, and um, it was it was fucking weird, fellow survivors. She said that she was a time traveler. A fucking time traveler. Now that's a new one. She was sort of lost. Okay, she said sort of lost, but from the sound of it, she's really, really lost. Going through doors and ending up in different times and places. She never knew where she was going to end up, and it was a surprise to her every time. She's apparently looking for some guy named Jake who was also lost, also going through doors. And so they're both trying to find their way back to this place called Ostium, which I've never heard of. She also said that she was collecting trinkets along the way and then kept calling them talismans. And I'm pretty sure those two words aren't interchangeable, but if Elliot didn't correct her, I wasn't going to. But yeah, so we all kind of just let her talk, nodded and let ourselves have a dinner and a show. I mean... I can't judge too much. We all got to tell ourselves something to keep surviving all this, right? Scout gave this big, dramatic yawn at the end of it, which was the signal for all of us to hunker down for the night. She was asleep and snoring by the time Jihoon offered to do first watch. Monica made it pretty clear that she was ready to move on, pulling the whole classic standing up and looking at the door, I'm going to leave the party move. Said something about going through another door. Okay, whatever, time traveler. And so she started with her goodbyes and gave the sleeping scout a little gentle pat. But then when it was my turn, she actually had some questions for me. Why do you do the broadcasts? Do you think there's someone or a bunch of someones out there listening? Oh, I know there are. I've talked to my friend Dave. There's this other woman on the radio I think I've no. heard once. Not just them, but others. Lots of others who are always there, waiting for your next recording, your next entry. Wanting to know what all of you choose to do next. Uh, I hope not. I get pretty personal. Yeah. It's fucking weird, isn't it? I'm not sure what I'm really saying. I've just got this feeling. Kind of like you get when you're being watched. Except this is about recordings. They're always there, listening to them, waiting for more. Oh, okay, Monica. Well, it was really nice to meet you. And you, Jill. Thanks again for the food. Oh, fuck. I still need to find a talisman from here. Um, well, I've got... I've got 
got this thing I know I'm not going to need anytime soon. A condom? Silky skin. Oh, yikes. Still in its wrapper. Where the hell did you get this from? Well, we helped out a bunch of sex workers a ways back, and they kind of just gave it to me, even though I didn't really need it. Wow. Okay. Uh, are those teeth marks? Now I kind of want to stay and hear this whole story, but I know I've got to go. Maybe I can find your entry for it somewhere out there, where all our recordings go. Okay, Monica. Stay safe, fellow survivor. Will do. Thanks, Joe. Location update? Still in the house, and I'm... having trouble sleeping. Partly because Scout's on guard duty and she's been humming back in time the entire time. But mostly because I saw... Something, something weird when Monica left. She turned back to me, winked at me, which totally didn't make me feel anything, and then opened the door and stepped through, and for a second, just a second, but ad Oculus, I didn't see the road. I saw something else, like metal, maybe a a metal wall with a window, and I, (laughs) and I swear, I saw Farking space through that window like I was looking through the window of of, of a spaceship oh okay my stomach hurts Uh, maybe that's what it was maybe those those beans were a little too expired well talking about it made me feel better as it always does maybe I can sleep Catch you on the next frequency. Joe out. From the moment I open my eyes, I know it is going to be a rough day. Another one of my down days. One of the really down days when I just need to get away from everyone for a while. My mother, even though she is the queen of the realm and technically I am a subject of Namaste and therefore a subject of hers, she understands what I've gone through. She gave birth to me. She knows me. She understands my moods, even at her advanced age. She may be frail and needs help going from room to room, but her mind is still there in its entirety. 
Not a single one of her advisors can sneak anything by her. Not that they try, but every once in a while they will make an attempt. And fail. It can be quite amusing if you are in attendance and get to watch. But back to me and my current not-so-good mental state. I have my duties as the daughter of the Queen, everyday duties as I am in training and preparation to take the throne once she passes or perhaps abdicates. Though I am almost fully convinced she will simply stop breathing one day as she sits on her throne, dealing with her subjects and controlling the law and order within her realm. Her heart will just stop. And that will be that. It only takes a single message via my favorite attendee, Nessie, to my mother, and I am free to do as I please for the day. She knows. I know. I believe everyone in the palace must know by now. They know my heart is broken. Torn asunder. When I lost her, when I... When I lost my Thyra. The full moon of Gemma is almost upon us once more, and it was right before the full moon of Eta when Thyra left Albion. For good? Forever? I know not. I surely hope not. <sighs> no, I have to believe it not to be so. She will return to me one day, and we will be reunited. Finally. Oh, how my heart will sing and my eyes will run when that day comes. Thyra was taken. That is what I have been told and what I now believe. It is what the one witness who saw it happen told me. Thyra was taken through a portal, an opening in reality. I read the truth in the witness's eyes as she told me. She didn't see who it was, but she saw what happened. Saw that Thyra was taken, and then the rupture closed up like it had never been. I immediately began to research, once again with the invaluable help of Nessie, and we found a few instances of something like this occurring— but they took place 300 and over a thousand years ago, respectively. I cannot put my complete and full belief in those ancient entries, but it is better than knowing nothing. It, it gives me hope. It has happened before. It has happened recently. And eventually it will happen again. I have hope. I have hope. But that does not mean that these days where I feel I will remain alone for the rest of my life get any easier. So today, I am spending my time alone to think and wonder. The waters have always been a refuge for me, my place of escape, but also of rest and relaxation. 
a place that always brings me calm. I have had this wee sailing vessel since I was a child. My father taught me to sail, and now I feel just as at home on the waters as I do walking the marble floors of the palace. And on a day like today, I need escape more than ever. I head out into the open waters away from my home with no particular direction in mind. Naturally, when you are sailing, there are only so many directions one can go as the prevailing wind allows. But after a short while, I pull on the tiller and alter course, heading for a small island I have visited on occasion. It is uninhabited by Albions, but lush with flora and fauna. In many ways, it is an extension of the quiet, calm waters, a place of dry land and solitude where one can reflect and contemplate. Except today, things are different. I can see someone standing on the shore of the island looking right at me. She is dressed in the most unique clothing. I've never seen material like this before. The colors are all different. Wrong in some way. One might even say alien. But I am not about to let this intruder significantly alter my day. I am also as curious as the proverbial sea bat. I'm sorry, is this your island? In a way, I suppose. It belongs to the realm of Namaste, and my mother is queen of this realm. Dang, I'm in the presence of royalty, talking with a real-life princess. I'm honored, Your Majesty. I am unfamiliar with that last word, and detest the word princess. My role in serving as the daughter of the queen is far greater than that. Well, shit, I'm sorry. I should really watch what I say, since I'm in a whole new place again and all that. You are a visitor here. I have traveled the many ends of the realm in my years and seen many, but not you. I have also frequented this island on a number of occasions. You are new here. You got me. I'm from another place. Far, far away. Really fucking far. Different time, too. And how did you reach Albion and, and by turn Namaste if you are from somewhere so distant? Good question. Let's just say I come from a place where there are many doors to take you to anywhere and anyone. Well, I've been traveling through those doors from one to another looking for someone. And now I've ended up here. In Albion, I believe you said? Yes, the world of Albion. And I can see you have two moons. That's pretty dope. Tatooine style, only lunar, not solar. So far, I have yet to comprehend any of your references. That's okay. Don't feel bad. I get that a lot. The person you are looking for, you... You must care deeply for him. To travel so far, do you feel you're getting closer? To be honest, I don't have a fucking clue. But yes, he is... My love my heart, and I very much want to find him. 
I too know of the pain you speak. The pain of loss. I too lost my heart. When she was taken from this world, not too long ago. And each day is agony for me. Damn, I'm so sorry. I'd say it gets easier, but it hasn't yet for me. Nor I. However, I do find it interesting, perhaps even serendipitous, that you appear to have a similar mode of travel as that through which my Thyra was taken. Thyra? That's a beautiful name. She could open doors like I can? I know not, but she was taken through a door, against her will, and she is one of the Circe. They are the sorceresses of this world, who wield much power, but always for good. Sorceress? What color are her eyes? What a strange question to ask. It's important. A dark violet. Just violet? What about the left eye? Her left eye. Her left eye possesses a speck of silver. A sparkle. Yes, it does. You're fucking right. That's her. What, what on Albion do you mean? She's the one we rescued. We didn't know who she was. She was weak and broken and frail, but alive. Forsooth? She'd been trapped for a really long fucking time. Her power almost spent, but I asked... No... I made her open a door for me to get through, to find Jake. To find your love? I... As much as it pains me, I understand, but she is well and alive? I don't know how well she is, but she is very much alive. Oh, thank you. This brings me such such joy. My hope is now everlasting. One day she will return to Albion to my arms. And if... No... When I find Jake, and when I make it back to the Ostium Network, I will do everything within my power to get her back to you. I promise. You are too kind and wonderful. I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Would, would it be possible to give you something, a, a trinket to take with you, to, to give to her when you meet again? Hell yes, of course. Actually, I need to bring something back with me from Albion. Then I give you this. A ring? It's beautiful. Special. Must mean a lot to you. Thyra gave it to me on our first anniversary. You guys are married? Oh, that's wonderful. We are wedded, yes, but this was for a different kind of anniversary, but just as meaningful. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. I will keep it safe and give it to her as soon as we meet again. I vow it. Thank you. Thank you so much. She will know where it came from, and it will give her hope, just as you have given me the same. Looks like I came to just the right place. It was wonderful meeting you, and maybe, hopefully, we will meet again one day with you and Thyra. I would like that very much. Safe travels. Thank you. And stay safe. So when she comes back to Albion, you'll be right here waiting for her. Oh, I most certainly will. When she is gone, I feel a momentary loss, but this is soon overcome by the bursting sense of hope within me. What a fortuitous meeting to have happened to me on this day of all days. I will eagerly now return to the palace and my duties, my faith restored in what will one day come to pass in time. 
testing, testing one, two, three. This is, hold on, interview number 68 in my investigation into how and why people are finding their way to the place known as Point Mystic. Is this going to be on your radio show, Point Mystic? You've heard of the show? No. I mean, I've heard of the place. I'm not necessarily going to use this interview for the show. I've been investigating this question for a long time. What Point Mystic is, why it calls people. You could say that searching for Point Mystic started all of this, inspired the show. Sixty-eight interviews of how people found their way to Point Mystic. So far, the common thread is this. Most people who find this place feel that they've been called here. For what reason, we do not know. It is a mystery that binds us together. To many who come to Point Mystic, it's more than a town. It's a refuge. A place of escape. Wherever they're coming from, other towns, other countries, other worlds. They're often trying to get somewhere safe. Whatever's happened to them, it's enough to push them away from somewhere that they used to call home, but is no longer. Sometimes they've heard of the legend of Point Mystic and are seeking this place. And sometimes they're simply running away from someplace else and find themselves here. It doesn't matter which. This place doesn't judge. It opens its doors and lets them in. These interviews that my partner Marguerite and I have recorded investigating how people find their way to Point Mystic span back years. A map of our own journey to find the way back to Point Mystic. But we aren't the only ones to have felt the call and found the doorway open. Whatever force is calling people to Point Mystic, it's accelerating. Can I have you state your name? Monica Chase. How did you find Point Mystic, Monica? I wasn't looking for Point Mystic. If anything, it found me. I've been traveling for a long time now, going through lots of doors to different worlds, but never staying for long. Is Point Mystic different than other places you've visited? I'm not sure yet. I've only just arrived. But I think so. There's... Something about this place I haven't felt with the other places I've seen. I don't want to be disparaging to those worlds. Some of them are pretty fucking bleak. Well, people who find their way here have usually been through a lot. Speak however you like. I just want the truth. Good. I can do the truth. I have been through a lot. Seen a lot. This place here just feels... purer. More real? That probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Different from all the other worlds I've seen. I've also had this... ability, for lack of a better word, which tells me how long I have left in each world and when I need to leave. What, like a... a countdown? Yeah. As if I'm on borrowed time when I'm there, and when that time is all used up, I need to get the fuck out of there. 
What do you think would have happened to you if you'd stayed in one of those worlds beyond the deadline? Huh. Good question. Hadn't really thought about it. I've just been running nonstop, and I've never taken the time to even consider it. But I'd have to say, maybe I'd be stuck there. Whatever was letting me go through doors onto other worlds would be stopped, be severed. And that would be it. I'd have to stay there for the rest of my life. Or maybe it's worlds themselves that are ending. And if I think back to that last world where most of the planet was dead... Yeah, it's a chilling thought. You aren't the first person to tell me something like this. And you don't sense this feeling with Point Mystic. No countdown? No. It's really weird. It wasn't exactly a ticking clock in my head, but the mental equivalent. It was always there, letting me know. And now, it's just not. It's just gone. Maybe it's a safe place. For now. Are you going to remain in Point Mystic for as long as it feels safe? I don't know yet. I guess we'll see. It's nice to have a fucking choice for once. Does everyone stay? Some people move on. Some choose to stay, if they feel called to. Do you feel called? I don't know. Doesn't really matter if I did. Point Mystic is not what I came searching for through all these worlds. Why were you going through the doors? <laughs> Good question. I'm looking for someone. The love of my life, Jake. He got lost through a doorway in a place called Ostium. You've seen Ostium? You've heard of it? The empty town of doorways in Northern California. Yeah, I've been there. Investigating the supernatural is what our radio show is about. Maybe you can help me then. We were in this dark place fighting for our lives, and Jake had rescued what we thought was a monster, but was in fact a helpless thing that didn't know what was happening to it. And... It's so fucking stupid. Jake opens up a doorway to bring us back to Ostium. It took everything he had left in him to do it. He sent me and that poor fucking thing back through the doorway, and he didn't leave any strength left for himself. Jake tried to bring himself through the door. He, he tried. He screwed it up. The door closed on him, and now he's lost out there somewhere, in time. He's disappeared on me a few times in the past, and I wasn't fucking having it this time. So I went after him. I went through another doorway. I didn't care to wear or how dangerous... And I went after him. And I've been trying to find him ever since. I'm sorry. I, I almost lost my son Fox through a doorway. I would have done the same thing. Jumped right down the rabbit hole after him if he hadn't come out of it. Have, have you considered if Jake might have ended up here in Point Mystic? Not until you just said that. I guess it's possible. I'd look for him here. Do people drawn to Point Mystic magically find what they're looking for? No. No, they don't. But they usually find what they need. So, how should I look? Start walking around town? Put up wanted flyers? Yell his name from the fucking mountaintops? There's a lighthouse at the end of the point. A lot of people who try to find their way to Point Mystic... End up there, the guest house. I'll take you. 
There's somebody there I'm supposed to interview today. You're the third person to find your way here this week that I know of. Is his name Jake? Jake? The person you're interviewing, the person. Uh, sorry, no, it's someone named Logan. Found his way to Point Mystic through a crossroads in the middle of Georgia of all places. I haven't met a Jake. He could be here. I mean, people come and go from Point Mystic all the time. There are many doors. Come with me. You know what? I'm good. I think I'm going to just sit here and finish my coffee. Maybe he's here in Point Mystic. Maybe he's not. But you're right about one thing. There are many doors. I I really do hope you find him, Monica. If not here, then somewhere. Calliope rents rooms upstairs if you want to stay in town. If you see a guy walking around looking for someone named Monica, you'll let me know, right? I will. Thank you for speaking with me. And really, Monica, if you need help, call me. Thank you. Really. It's all fucked up. But you and everyone I've met here have been kind, and it's been a real long time since I could just sit with a cup of coffee and look at the ocean and and not wonder when my time was up. Testing, testing, uh, this is interview 71. Subject appeared out of thin air, right outside the lighthouse. Could we speed this up? I've got a lot of questions for you, too, like where the hell I am. Look, you're safe. You're in Point Mystic, at a lighthouse called The Light at the End of the World that draws people to it. Um, I know that this, this all seems pretty confusing. Do you know how you got here? I went through a door and ended up here outside this lighthouse. What kind of door? (laughs) Standard bathroom door in an abandoned McDonald's. Does that usually happen when you go through doors? Normal people, not so much. Me, par for the course. It's kind of my thing. I'm a time traveler of sorts, and traveler of many worlds at this point, I guess. In the past 24 hours, time's kind of blurring for me right now. I've gone through so many doors and visited so many places I can't keep count. This place is definitely nicer than most I've seen. So you weren't looking for it? No, not exactly. But it does feel like something was leading me here, if that makes any sense. Do you know what that is? A sensation that's been pulling me forward. I knew it was real as soon as I arrived because it stops here. This place is not like the others. It's freeing. Unencumbered. It's hard to put into words exactly, and not all those places I went through were necessarily bad, though some of them definitely had their downsides. Like the guy who went kind of crazy at the end and wanted to kill me. But this place, even if I haven't been here very long, I can tell things are different. I feel... I know it's a weird way to put it, but I feel at home here. There's also one other big change. What's that? I don't have to leave. The thing that's been calling me? It's here. 
Is it this place? It might be. Is your name Jake? Yes. How did you know? I think you should come with me. I think there's someone in town here who's looking for you. it's really you. I can't believe you're actually here in Point Mystic. How did you even get here? <laughs> Same way you did, through a door. I feel like I've been doing that for fucking ever. Met lots of interesting people, visited some really crazy fucking places, but never found you. Though I got close once. You did? How do you know? The porcelain lily. <laughs> well, half of the porcelain lily that you told them to put in that lockbox. Oh my god, you found it. It really got to you. It's incredible. I never really expected it to work. It was totally a back-to-the-future move. Never expected it to work? Really? Okay, I was really hoping, but never certain. But it did work. Here's my piece. Yep, and they fit. Just like us. That's fucking terrible, but I'm going to allow it because you're as wiped as I am, I'm sure. Not all it's chalked up to be? And now I want to punch you. That didn't take long at all. It might even be a record for you, Jakey. I try. So, how did you know I was here? Once I arrived, I got introduced to Christopher. He wanted to interview me about how I ended up in Point Mystic. I said sure and told him my story. And then he asked me if I was looking for someone. That's when I started getting excited. Then he told me you were here. Did he say where to find me? No, he basically said, just go walking around the town. You'll find her. <laughs> Typical of him. He told me the same thing, essentially. So I just started walking around. Eventually, I saw there was a lighthouse and got drawn to it. Wanted to check it out. That was the first thing I noticed. I figured I'd give it a shot and then started searching the rest of the town. But I wasn't worried. I'm not under a time limit here. Yeah, me neither. I don't know what it is. Is it something about this place? Point Mystic. It's pretty unique. Yeah. Has kind of a magical feel to it. Like it's not quite real. 
a place you've got to find yourself. And it's not on any map. Nobody outside of town really knows about it. Kind of sounds like a certain other place we found. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. But Ostium feels a long way off from here. Sure does. Maybe it's because we finally found each other. That's why we don't have to leave anymore, or at least right away. Could be. Why did you come after me? Are you kidding? I had to, Jake. I wasn't going to let you fucking leave me behind again. Plus, I knew the state you were in. I needed to do whatever I could to try and get to you and help you. I wouldn't let anything hold me back. Nothing could stop me. I wasn't going to take no for an answer from anyone. I just wasn't going to let it happen. Well, I could say something about how much it means to hear that, but words wouldn't do it justice. But I appreciate it. More than you'll ever know. You sure about that? Yes. Undoubtedly. Wholeheartedly. Okay, good. So, what's next for us? I figured we'd go through a few more doors, check out a couple more worlds, see what's happening. Sounds good to me. Seriously? Fuck no, Jake. I'm done doing that. I want to get back to Ostium. Some fucking how. And then take a really long nap. That sounds really great to me. Let's make it happen. Do you know how? No, not really. But I have an idea. Well, more of an inkling. Do you have all the talismans from the different worlds you visited? You betcha. Good. I think they're going to be important. So, step one is... Go... through a door. (laughs) You guessed it. How about that one? The lighthouse? Yeah, it's the closest to us. No reason not to use it. Sounds good to me. Good. And I'm going to need to hold your hand. I feel like that's part of it. Okay, Jake. Where are we? Somewhere dark and stuffy. Let me see if I can find a light switch. Oh my god. We're fucking back, baby. Holy shit. It's the clock tower. We're inside. Okay, I can't really see much outside, but I can see shadows of buildings and the hintings of streets. Yep, we're definitely back in Ostium. Fucking A. You ready for some grub? Shit, yes. I'm starving. Let's get cooking. So, I know it's a big fucking step that we're back here, but we still need to get back to the Ostium Network. Somehow. I know. We need to get back to Steve. He's probably worried shitless about us. And I really miss him, too. Yeah, I do as well. I've got the stirrings of an idea, but not till the morning. Once we're done eating, it's time to get a good night's sleep. Shit. Yes, that sounds wonderful. And in the morning, a hot shower. Perfect. After sleep, a shower and some breakfast, and we'll be able to think a lot clearer. And I should have the plan all worked out by then. And I'm not going to set an alarm. Hell no.
We get a really good night's sleep. We shower together, but that's all the detail I'm giving about it. We have a hearty breakfast and clean up, and then we're ready. I lead Monica to the map table. I need to put all your trinkets on the map table in no particular order, but hold on to the porcelain lily. Okay. Monica does so. Then I do the same, keeping my porcelain lily. Nothing happens. Is this right? I think so. Just going through the steps of my plan here. Not sure if anything's going to actually happen. We'll see. Okay. I then place my porcelain lily in the center of the map table. Now you place yours, joining up with mine, so they're one. Monica slowly does so. Then we stand. And watch. And wait. The sound of the pieces joining makes us both jump. We move closer and soon have our arms wrapped around each other, comforting. Then a rumbling begins, and I feel Monica tighten with fear. I do too, a little, but I recognize the rumbling is different from the earthquake we experienced so long ago in Ostium. The rumbling increases, and there's a bright flash of light that blinds us both. I open my eyes once again and can see nothing at first. Dread races up my body like rising ice water as I wonder if I've gone blind from the flash. But then details come back into my vision and I know I'm going to be okay. Thirty seconds later, we're looking at each other. We're both okay. Our sight back to normal. Mostly. We look down at the map table. All the trinkets are gone. What was that? I don't know. Do you think it was enough? Can we leave Ostium now and get back to Gibraltar? No clue. Maybe. There's only one way to find out. She leads me out of the clock tower and down the street. We're walking really fast, and she starts running, and I do too. We're running hard until we make it to the gates. Those same iron gates I looked up at the first time I arrived at Ostium. There's no padlock in sight. Together we push the gates open and they swing easily and without sound. On the other side is not endless blackness, a chasm of emptiness and despair. Instead, there's a rectangular black doorway. Then there's that fizzle sound again. I can start to see something. Details on the other side of that doorway. It looks like it might be the inside of that lab, or whatever it was, where they kept the door to Ostium. The one that was in the Ostium network. The one that Steve went through, and then Monica. But I'm not certain. I look to Monica. She looks at me. She's not certain either. Then she gives me a shrug. I nod and take her hand. We step through the doorway. 